You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Good morning, Radiant Church. So good to see all of you this morning. If you are new with us, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor here. Thank you for making Radiant a part of your weekend. We are wrapping up our series this weekend. It was a six-week series on spiritual warfare. Before I get into that, don't forget next week, Ron G. Abraham will be here. We are supporters of that ministry, Christ for India. And um, as you know, hopefully you know, India is a place where Christians are heavily persecuted. And it's been a while since he's been able to be here because of COVID and all the craziness of the world. But he's back in the States for a couple of weeks and he's spending some time with us. So we're super excited to have uh, Pastor Ranji with us. So make sure you're here for that. Well, listen, we've been in this series entitled Spiritual Warfare, really our battle against the forces of darkness. And one of the things that we've been learning or the primary thing that we've been learning is this. There is always something you can't see influencing what you can see. There's always something that you can't see influencing what you can see. In other words, there's a war taking place behind the war. And the battle takes place on three different fronts. This is all just quick review. Number one, the devil. He's our adversary, the accuser. Number two, there's the flesh. Those are the unruly desires that we have within us. Listen, that if left unattended to, unchecked, will consume us and literally destroy our lives. And then finally, there's the world. What does that mean, the world? The world means the systems that are in our world right now that are set up apart and against God. And so we've been talking about this idea of the unseen realm angels, demons, what happens behind the scenes. And today, I want to conclude our series by talking about the topic of false prophets or false teachers. False prophets or false teachers. Uh, Before we go any further, let me give you just a definition so that we're all on the same page with what we're talking about. A false teacher, listen, is a person who spreads, well, obviously, false teachings, right? Slander, division, and what? Leads people astray. A false teacher will lead people astray. Did you know this? Did you know that almost every book of the New Testament talks about false teachers and false prophets? It's true. I mean, it must be a pretty big deal then, right? Now, here's the deal. Christ, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, He gives the church shepherds after his own heart. These are true shepherds. But Satan will counterfeit that, and Satan will send himself, listen, false teachers who intentionally come in to divide and destroy a flock. Divide and destroy a flock. Let me give you an example here that you'll all be able to relate to. I have two different dollar bills in my hand, and look closely at them for a second, if you will. One is the real thing, this one, and the other one is a fake, okay? It's a fake. It's from my daughter's 
um, pretend or play cash register, I should say. I took it from there for just a few moments anyways. And if you look at these dollar bills, both of them have similarities, don't they? I mean, they look about the same size. If you kind of size them up, it's like, okay, all right, they look similar design. They're both green in color, green-ish in color, right? But listen, if you look really closely, you'll be able to tell, oh, wait a second, one is a fake and one is the real deal. Now, if this was a counterfeit bill, like one that you would find on the street, it would probably be a little more difficult to distinguish which was real, which was fake. But again, if you were to closely examine the two dollar bills, you would realize that one is the real deal, one is the fake, right? Now, this is the way that false sort of spirituality, false religion, false teachers work. Now, from the outset, if you look at them both, they kind of look similar. One would look a lot like Christianity, actually. But then as you closely examine them, what you discover is this. You discover that there is one that is very, very different from what? From real, historic, orthodox Christianity. And that's what I want to talk about this morning with all of you here. So who are these false prophets, right? What do they look like? What do they talk about? And why is this even important for all of you today, even if you're just a visitor? Why is this important for your life? Why should you pay attention for the next 25, 35 minutes? Well, we'll find out. We'll answer those questions. Before we dive in, and I'm not going to dive into there. Don't worry. But before we get into it, I was like, well, that's a pun if you ever... Anyways, listen... Before we get into God's word, let's just take a moment, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do only what he can do. I can't open up your heart. I wish I could, but I can't do it. I'm only a man. The Spirit of God has to draw you near. The Holy Spirit has to open your eyes to see, to hear the words of God. So let's pray for that. Father in heaven, we love you, and uh, we just thank you, God, again, for uh, the work of these three individuals in the, in the waters of baptism, Lord. We celebrate with them, Lord, old things have passed away. The new has come. That's amazing, God. We don't even understand it. It's kind of a mystery, in fact. And yet, that's what your word says, God, that in Christ we're new creations. God, would you um, open our hearts today? Would you open blind eyes? Would you unlock deaf ears? And would you soften hardened hearts? Because I know that when we gather together, someone in here has got a hardened heart because of life, because of the circumstances of our world, because something at home happened. Lord, we're all facing different battles. So would you soften the heart and draw men and women and children to you, we pray. That is, that's our prayer, God, and we just, we just come before you and we lay um, our hearts on the table. And God, we just say, hey, you do what you want to do right now. Father, I pray that as I speak, you will speak even more profoundly, and that the words that these people end up hearing as they leave this afternoon would be your very voice speaking to them personally. God, would you do that by your mercy, by your grace, by your love? So God, we we love you, Jesus. We thank you for the work that you'll do today. It's in your name. And so Jesus opens up, and he actually talks about false prophets in um, the Sermon on the Mount. 
Sermon on the Mount is found in the, Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's essentially chapter 5 through chapter 7, and these are profound words of Jesus. If you've never read them, I would really, really encourage you. I really would challenge you to read those words. They are otherworldly. They are counterculture. Um, they are, in some sense, they will shock you. Um, they may offend you, and that is the sole purpose, all of the above, right? And in all this, Jesus actually talks a little bit about false prophets and false teachers. In Matthew chapter 7, we're going to go there in just a moment, but I want to read to you, beginning in verse number 15, I want you to notice what Jesus says about false prophets. He says this, watch out, okay? Watch out for false prophets. <clears throat> they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And then he begins to ask this rhetorical question in some sense. Do people pick grapes? from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The obvious answer is, of course they don't, right? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruits, okay? But a bad tree, well, it's just going to do what it's supposed to do. It's going to bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear uh, good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, here's what happens, listen, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay, thanks for that, Jesus. Wow. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. You will recognize them. Now, listen, remember I said this. From the outset, they're going to look similar. But eventually, you're going to be able to recognize the true one from the fake one or the false one. That's what Jesus is trying to say to us. I want to just pull three things out as we begin this morning Three things from the text that we can observe and, and, and sort of uh, decipher as we look at the words of Jesus. And the first one is this. Number one, false prophets come, Jesus says, disguised in sheep's clothing. And the, the key word here, church, is what? It's disguised. Disguised in sheep's clothing. In other words, listen, from, from the outside, listen, uh, false prophets, false teachers, False forms of the faith, uh, they appear innocent, they appear friendly, this person is nice, I mean, everything kind of seems well. In fact, this person may even talk like us and act like us and behave like us. So from the outside, all seems well, but on the inside, here's what's happening, there is a dark agenda. There's a dark agenda to do what? To, to destroy the church, to, to rip people apart, to get you fighting with the person next to you or the person across the other row, to get you to hate the very other person of God. This is the role of the one who has disguised himself. In fact, he or she uses deception because deception is their greatest tool. In fact, listen, if you knew that they were a wolf, well... Hey, I mean, you'd be able to stay clear from their teachings and who they are, right? You'd be like, hey, I'm not welcoming you into my circle of friends, okay, because you're a wolf, and I don't want anything to do with you. So they know that. So what they have to do is they have to what? They have to disguise themselves. They have to put a mask on, so to speak. And the Apostle Paul actually speaks of the same thing, this, this masquerade, if you will. He writes to the church in, in, in Corinth, 
This is in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 11, verse 12, beginning in verse 12. And I want you to see what Paul says. It sounds a lot like Jesus, okay? He says this, and I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things that they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then, Paul says, if his servants, those sometimes uh, who come into the church, also masquerade as servants of righteousness. And then Paul says this, their end will be what their actions deserve. Paul says they're going to get what's coming to them. (laughs) You wait. They're going to get what's coming to them. But he's making this point, right? They're masquerading. They have this mask on pretending to be someone who they're actually not, right? Because they want to win people over to themselves. They are deceiving the people of God. I don't know if you've ever been to a, like a costume party or like an official masquerade. And people wear those masks with the little like the sticks that they hold up. And if you've ever gone to one of those, you'll know that even recognizing your own friends and your own family members can be difficult behind the mask, right? This is what Paul is trying to say. He's trying to say, hey, yeah, watch out, right? Jesus has said it, watch out, because they're going to come masquerading. They're going to come in a disguise, pretending to be someone else. Number two, here's what Jesus says. Jesus labels false prophets as what? As wolves. As wolves. I think it's interesting that, you know, there's all kinds of animals in the animal kingdom, and Jesus has chosen to use the wolf as his example. What do we know about wolves? Well, we know a lot about wolves, of course. You can, uh, you know, watch any documentary on them. They're fascinating creatures and animals, ferocious, obviously. Here's what we know about wolves. The primary thing that I want to bring up today is this, is that wolves are creatures. Wolves are animals of what? Of observation of observation. In other words, what they do is they hang out, right? And, and then they're just watching, looking across the horizon. Okay, what do, we, what do I see over here? What's going on? Ah, a little deer by himself. Okay, ah, I see that. Oh, oh there's a little lamb. Oh, they're creatures of observation. And what are, they do? what are they doing? They're waiting for an opportunity to what? To seize their prey. To seize their, their creatures of observation. And it's the same way, listen, in the local church, Wolves are looking for those who are weak, those who don't really know the Bible very well. Maybe they're newer Christians. Maybe they're just vulnerable for whatever reason because they just came out of a bad relationship. They went through some trauma. And so they're looking for vulnerable people to win over to who? To themselves. To themselves. You know what false wolves or false sheep, what they do? They take advantage of people's niceness. They take advantage of your niceness, right? Because we're supposed to be nice, right? So they take advantage of your niceness. How do they do that? By taking, 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 taking some more, taking some more, taking. And you're like, okay, I I, I can't give anymore. What's the deal? I've tried to be nice to you, and I'm sensing you're trying to take advantage of me. 
Right? So if that happens, listen, that doesn't give you permission to be a total jerk and be totally selfish. I'm not saying that, but listen, you should pause. You should discern. You should ask the Holy Spirit, like, what is up with this person? Because it seems like they're always taking, but they're never giving. And that's an imbalance, right, church? That's just an imbalance. If you always take, 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 listen, eventually you're just going to exhaust the people around you. It's, just like, it's not rocket science, right? It's just, it's just nature. Like We just can observe it. If you take, 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 but never are willing to give, like it, that's just a, something's off. There's a, something is wrong there. These wolves, listen, they're conniving, they're scheming, and they're ultimately ferocious. And just like in real life, you know when a, when a wolf attacks a deer or a lamb, there's no mercy. Just rip it to shreds. There's no, zero mercy, right? Show no mercy. Cobra Kai, right? No mercy. And so it's the same way in the church. In the church, listen, wolves move in, and when they attack their prey, they're winning people over to, not to Jesus, but to themselves. To themselves. Hey, listen, I want you, I got a Bible study coming up, and I don't care what Pastor Marco says. And yeah, it doesn't matter what Pastor Jake says or Pastor Sarah. I want you to come over. I'm leading a Bible study, and I want you to come over. I got some things I want to teach you, and I want to show you some stuff that I've learned. And Pastor Mark is not talking about that on a Sunday morning. He doesn't know the depths of my knowledge. Why don't you come over to my house? I've, I've really studied the Bible, and I've, I've got the Hebrew concordance out, and we're looking at Aramaic words, and it'll blow your mind. Okay. Um, sounds innocent, maybe. But if they're trying to win them over to you or to, that, to themselves, that's, that's, a, that's a sign. That's a warning, right? That's a, 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 a warning. Ferocious wolves. Jesus further says more about this when he's going to send 72 disciples out to do the work of the ministry. Look at Luke chapter 10 with me, you guys, verses 1 through 3. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. He sent them two by two, kind of the buddy system, ahead of him to every town, every place where he was about to go. And he told them, he says, the harvest is plentiful. In other words, a lot of people need to know about Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers, what? They're few. <laughs> we still face this battle today, okay? <laughs> Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Then what does Jesus say? He says this, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. You're like, what do you think, Jesus? Awesome. Two thumbs up. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. You're, a wolf is going to like rip me to shreds. Sweet. If you keep reading, <laughs> if you keep reading the next several verses, what does Jesus do? He gives his disciples very, very specific instructions for how they are to carry out their mission. Because he knows. Listen, you're going to go out, you're not, you're not going to be welcomed. People are going to not like, they're going to hate you, they're not going to like you, they're all of the above. And yes, some may actually attack you and try to rip you to pieces. Jesus knew. He, he wanted his disciples to know the severity of what he was doing or what he was sending, the environment to which he was sending them out to. So listen, Jesus calls these false teachers prophets, Wolves or wolves. And number three, finally, you will recognize false teachers by their fruit. He says this, you will recognize false teachers by their fruit. What does fruit mean? 
Fruit essentially is the byproduct of how you live your life. That's all it really is. It's the byproduct of how you live your life. It's like the, it's, it's like the evidence, the proof. Like, you know how they say proof is in the pudding? What? It's actually true. Proof is in the pudding. And when you look at a person's like, 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 the, like the byproduct of how they live their lives, I mean, you, you, you can tell a lot. You can tell a lot. You can't tell everything, but you can tell a lot. Matthew 7, back to verse 16, by their fruit, Jesus says, you will recognize them. Again, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree, Jesus says, is going to bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So Jesus is wanting us to look at a person's life, right? What is their actual life look like? I mean, their relationships, and their spouse, or the kids. What are the, what's the general result of their faithfulness? Like, what is the general result of their faithfulness? And if you look at that, you, you may be able to find a lot. Some of you in here, and no offense to any of you, but some of you in here, I could bring you on stage, and we could just talk about the fruit of your life, and, 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 and there'd be many things that we could talk about. We could say, wow, this person has done this, and they've done that. Because of their actions, they've done this, and uh, they've organized this, and they've helped that person, they've helped this, blah, 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 and the list could go on and on and on. And, and then there may be others of you, and no offense again, but you're going to take offense. Uh, I could bring on stage, and uh, we could say, let's examine your fruit, and I would go, yeah, I, I don't, well, Let's change the subject, right? I don't see a whole lot of fruit. It's the reality, though. This is what Jesus is saying. You can tell, identify a false teacher, a false prophet by the fruit of their lives. It's really hard to know someone when you can't see the fruit of their lives. Amen? It's really hard to get to know someone when you can't see the the fruit of their lives. Now, here's what I mean. I'm actually leading to a point. Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say this. I'm always like a bit skeptical. And I'm just sharing my heart for a moment. I'm always a bit skeptical. I'm even a little bit cynical, <laughs> if I can be honest. When people tell me that their main teacher or pastor is like the celebrity pastor on the internet, the YouTube influencer who's got, you know, 7 million subscribers, that's great. I'm like always a little bit skeptical. I'm cynical. Why? Why is that? Well, because, listen, you can't see the fruit of their lives. That's why. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. The internet is awesome, and I love YouTube, and we, we utilize. You, you see people with cameras running around here because we simulcast. We have a live stream. We have a YouTube channel. We have subscribers. I had a guy come up to me uh, a month ago. He's like, hey, I've never met this guy in my life. He's like, hey, I'm from South Dakota, and my wife and I watch you every single week. And I'm like, that is awesome, dude. Like, that's so cool. He's like, I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, my mom lives in Bay City. I'm like, no. Are you like, what? And so he tells me, he's like, we watch every week. Um, And he's like, we just want to say we love what you guys are doing. I'm like, dude, that is so cool. But then he tells me this. He says this. He says, but we belong to a local church ourselves, and we serve there. And I was like, yes. Yes, my man, right? High five. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I can be your vitamin D or your vitamin C, your supplement for you, right? I I can be there for you, but if you're living out of state, you need to have your own local church. 
your own pastor. Why is it? Because you need to be able to, be able to actually see the fruit of their lives. Not just see the glamour shots on Instagram, not just see the, the, uh, the photo shoot that they can afford to do every other week, right, where they dress up in Gucci clothes, okay, not just see the high points of the Instagram reel or TikTok, whatever your thing is, right, whatever your thing is, not just see that, but to see what? The very fruit of their lives, like to see it, to examine it. And so listen, I want you to be rooted in the local church for that reason. It's good to get supplements other places because you can find the best Bible teaching in a matter of seconds. I can pull it up on my iPad and pull up a YouTube sermon and you'll be like, that's better than you, Pastor Marco. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Okay, I get it. But that person don't know you like I know you. And you don't know uh, him like you know me. So why is all of this important, right? Why, why are we talking about false teachers, false prophets? Obviously, the scripture gives a lot of weight to this, okay? But I want to say this. This is so important for a couple of reasons. First reason is this. It's so important because a counterfeit Christ is demonic. A counterfeit Christ is demonic. And nearly all forms of false religions and spiritualities seek a way to include their fake version of Jesus in their teaching. So the fake Jesus, listen, is always being talked about, and it's being talked about this way, often by claiming Jesus was a good man, but he wasn't the God man. Hear me again. Here's the way you can tell. People say Jesus was a good man, but he wasn't the God man. What does that mean? It means this. People are saying he was not God in the Fully God, fully man. That's what the New Testament teaches. Let me give you some examples. I'm going to just bring this home for a few moments. Jehovah's Witnesses, God bless them. When they show up to your doorstep, they say Jesus was merely Michael, the archangel, a created being that became a man. That's not what the New Testament teaches. Mm-mm. How about this one? Mormonism. Mormonism teaches Jesus was not God, but only a man who became one of many gods. It furthermore teaches that he was the half-brother of Lucifer. Okay. How about this one? Unitarian Universalism. What does that mean? It essentially means this. Hey, whatever your truth is, bro, just live your truth. We're all going to heaven anyways. It's all good. Like, bro, what you, what you believe is what I believe. No, it's not, fool. What are you talking about? <laughs> Unitarian Universalism says Jesus was not God, but rather, listen, 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 a great man to be respected solely for his teaching, love, justice, and healing. So Jesus was just like a man who was like a social justice warrior. That's not what the Scripture teaches. The New Testament does not teach that. New Age gurus. New Age gurus see Jesus as yet another guru, but not God. What about Scientology? All right? What about Scientology? 
says this, Jesus is an implant forced upon a Thetan about a million years ago. Okay. How about Freemasonry? Freemasonry or the Masons include the reading of Scripture at lodge meetings, but intentionally omit the name Jesus in their occult ceremonies. Why would you leave the name of Jesus out? I don't understand that. Oh, you don't want me to get to know the real Jesus. That's why. How about Buddhism? Buddhism believes Jesus was not God, but rather an enlightened man like Buddha. Hinduism? Hinduism has many views of Jesus, but believe he was likely a wise man or an incarnation of God, much like Krishna. And finally, Islam. Islam says Jesus was merely a man and a prophet who was inferior to Muhammad. That is not what the Bible teaches. And when people say we worship the same God as you, that is incorrect. Our God is Jesus Christ, the Lord of all heaven and all earth. How do we distinguish Jesus, the true Jesus, from the fake Jesus? It's easy. Listen. He was the sinless son of God. Jesus was fully divine, and he was fully man. He's both. Jesus was God in the flesh. In the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul writes, he says this, In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily Form All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus is the God-man. He's not just a man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a social justice warrior. He's not just a good example. He's not just a nice guy. He is the God-man. He's the God-man, yeah. God in the flesh. And so when we look at false teachers, you guys, when we look at false religions, um, here's the question that we need to ask. What are they teaching about Jesus? Hey, I'm so glad that you came in to talk with me and you're a Jehovah's Witness. Hey, welcome. We got crackers and juice. What, you want something? We got little Smokies or whatever in the microwave. Hey, what can we do? Right? Okay, that's, oh yeah, awesome. Hey, can we talk about what do you believe about Jesus? Well, we're just like you guys. No, 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 no. I'm just curious. Because I, I, oh, I have a Bible right here. Let me grab it, actually. Hold on. I want to go to John chapter 1, and they're going to be like, you know your Bible? Who is Jesus, right? What do they say about Jesus? Now, on that point, I also want to say this. We also have to make, um, we, all, we also have to distinguish between who is actually a heretic, okay, <laughs> And who is someone who is just, A, misinformed or has bad theology, or B, we disagree with, okay? Because there's a lot of YouTube channels out there. They make their living by just sort of calling out heretics, okay? Now, we got to talk about this for just a few moments, because there are people who are not wolves. They're just, they just have bad theology. They are misinformed, and they're a bit misled but they're not trying to destroy the people of God. They're not trying to intentionally, like, destroy the church. They, be, they may be misled, and they may need to be corrected, and that's okay. They, indeed, right? Indeed. But they're not necessarily wolves, okay? Not necessarily wolves, okay? On the other hand, there are people who we just disagree with. 
We just disagree with them, and, and, and they would say, well, you know, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm a pre-trib, and you're like, well, I'm post-trib, and I'm all millennial, or I'm, uh, um, you know, pre-millennial. When it comes to the end times, we may have a different perspective. We may have a, a different, uh, we've got different results based upon sort of the verses that we have. They come up with a, a bit different um, conclusion than we have. Now, it doesn't make them a heretic, though. It doesn't make them evil, either. Um, we just may disagree with them. We're like, ah, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I get what you're saying. But again, it doesn't make them necessarily a wolf in sheep's clothing. Because finally, the last category is actually someone who's a false teacher or a false prophet. And Jesus speaks of this category, and he calls them wolves. Now, here's what I want to do for the next few moments. I want to just give you four um, four ways that we can sort of identify common characteristics of sort of the modern-day false prophet, false teacher. These are not exhaustive, so please hear that, okay? But just four ways that I've seen in the past several years have come to the surface um, are very, very, very popular nowadays. Okay, so number one is this. A, a false teacher today is someone who does not see the scripture as authoritative or inerrant. They would say that the scripture is inspiring, but they wouldn't say it's inspired. You see the difference? The scripture is inspiring, but it's not inspired. What does the word inspired in the Greek literally mean? It means breathed out by God. That's what it means. God breathed. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, all Scripture is what? Breathed out by God. That the actual writer and the ultimate author is God himself. Of course, he used men to write it, of course. But the actual writer is God himself. Someone who is a false teacher will not hold to the authority of Scripture. Number two, someone who's a false teacher, listen, would change the definitions of marriage, and they, they will begin to affirm all kinds of alternative lifestyles. What does that mean? That means, I'm, I'm just going to say it, it's sexual lifestyles. They will begin to affirm all types of sexual lifestyles that are not congruent with the New Testament. It's very popular today. Number three, a uh, third way you can tell a false teacher is that they will never, rarely will they ever address sin. And that we've rebelled against God, and because of our rebellion, listen, we're separated from him. They will never address that because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Okay. Number four, finally, someone who may be a false teacher is someone who say that Jesus was a good example. He was a good teacher, but he was not the sinless son of God. He was not God in the flesh. In summary, number one, they don't hold the authority of Scripture. Number two, they take on a different sexual ethic than what we see in the New Testament. Number three, they don't believe in sin. They don't teach about it. And number four, listen, they do not hold that Jesus was truly God in the flesh. Right? Why else does this matter? So number one, we said false religion is demonic, but why else does this matter? Well, let me point you to the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, 23, and 24. Jesus says this, at this time, and Jesus is speaking of the end, like the end times. 
At this time, if, any, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it, okay? For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to what? To deceive, if possible, even the who? The elect. Who are the elect? It literally means the chosen ones, those who are in the faith. This is so important because Jesus says, listen, near the end, in the end times, there are going to be all kinds of false ideologies, all kinds of false teachings, all kinds of false prophets, false messiahs, and many people, even Christians, are going to be what? Led astray. This is called the great apostasy. It's when the people of faith actually exit out of the church and begin to follow the ways of the world. And it's already happening. And can I just tell you that when you study eschatology, that the apostasy, the great apostasy, is one of the triggers of the end days. Now, listen, we're only going to see more of it. We're only going to see more of it. Jesus says, hey, you got to watch out, because in the end times, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be led astray, led to a lamb like one who was slaughtered. You don't want to be caught up in that. So Jesus says, watch out. Be aware. Paul writes this to Timothy. Notice what he says in 1 Timothy 4.1. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow what? Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. D demons, y'all. Demons. They're going to go and follow separate teachings, and they're going to think it's cool. They're going to think it's great. They're going to think it's tolerant, and it's going to be stuff literally taught by a demon. Do you not think this is spiritual warfare? Come on, right? We're in the middle of this right now. These are the words of Paul. In the last days, many are going to just walk away from the faith, right? Many will find, you probably know someone, I bet you know someone who used to be on fire for Jesus, who used to go to church, and now, I know a lot of people, actually. I know a lot of people. I, it's, it's the worst when I get someone who were like, they're so on fire, and they're like, Pastor Margo, I'm going to be here until I die. And I'm like, I doubt it. Like, don't say that, because I'm like, oh, my And I, I appreciate the zeal, but I'm like, oh, man. Like, and then what happens eight months later? It's like I never see them again. Never see them again. Hey, what's so-and-so doing? I don't know. They're just, like, hanging out and doing their thing. And it's like, what? what? What happened? I don't know. Just got distracted, right? Just got busy, and just got a new girlfriend, and trying to buy a house now. Got the new F one fifty, and kids are going to soccer practice. Son is in football every single day, so they're like just glued to their son's football team, and they're just like <sighs> the return of Jesus draws closer each and every day, right? That's that's obvious. Maranatha, my friend, Maranatha. Church, are you ready? Are you ready? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this morning. We're going to wrap up in just a moment. I want to challenge you with this. Don't find yourself sleeping. 
is what Jesus warns in Matthew 24. You can read it yourself. Don't find yourself sleeping, nodding off, unaware of what's happening around you, of the people in your life, the relationships that you're involved in. Don't find yourself just sleepwalking, just oblivious to the times that we find ourselves in. Don't find yourself preoccupied with life because I get it. We're all busy. I'm so busy, right? That's the calling card. Hey, how you doing? I'm busy. Oh, how did I know? I'm busy too. <laughs> wow. And I get it. We're all busy. We got responsibilities. I get that. I get that. I have a lot myself. But the thing is, listen, don't be so preoccupied with the soccer games. Don't be so preoccupied with the football games. And listen, you're just like, like the world is just passing you by and like stuff is changing. Culture's literally changing around us. Listen, and you're just like oblivious to the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, watch out, right? Watch out. I want you to, to study, to worship, and, and the most important, to know the true Jesus. I want you to study worship, know the true Jesus. And might he find, when he returns, I don't know when that's going to happen, might he find his bride ready, alert, awake, in Scripture, discerning truth, what's false. Because listen, right now, what we see is we see a lot of this. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the true thing and a whole lot of the false thing. But it sounds, but it sounds good, Pastor Marco, and they're using words like that. Like those words actually show up in the Bible, and so this has got to be the real thing, isn't it? Right? And I'm, I'm, and, and, and Christians are, are getting led astray. And, and the thing is, listen, I know, I know they look a lot alike. I know, I get it, right? That's the point, right? But upon further examination. You look closely and you're like, oh, 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 okay, oh, 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 that's not real. It sounded like it was real. That's not real. That's not the truth. This is the truth. Oh, man, I'm so glad I noticed because I was like getting all into that and I was like following those people on Facebook, and I was like with friends with them, started going over here and inviting them over my house. I was like, oh. I started giving to that organization. And that's, not, that's not it. Will he find you ready, right? That's the question for all of us, myself included. Will he find you ready? I want to pray with you today, folks. In a few more moments, our prayer team will come up, but I want to encourage you. I hope this has been encouraging to you. I hope it's been life-giving and challenging. Jesus said to watch out for false prophets. Watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Watch out. Be aware. Be aware. Be aware. Be aware. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for today. Father, we just want to know the true you. Lord, there are so many quote-unquote copycats right now, God. There's so many things that we think are good things, but they're not God things. God, there's so many ways Satan is trying to deceive us. Lord, would you give us eyes to see? Lord, would you renew our hearts 
Father, if someone doesn't know you today, um, I pray that this moment right now is a life-changing, life-transforming moment right now. I'm not talking about religion, and I'm not even talking about going to church. I'm talking about a relationship with you where you forgive them of their sins, you make them a new creation. The oldest past, the newest come, and heaven is their home. So, Father, if someone is here who doesn't know you, I pray right now, right now, they put their trust and their hope in you, and it's evidenced by the life transformation in their lives. And that everything else would be changed, would be different from this point on. It might not all happen at the same time, it never does, but God, that you'd bring a transformation in that person's life, Father. Give them boldness, give them courage, God, to trust you to, and to walk with you, God. Lord, we wanna be a people and a bride who's ready for you. So renew our hearts, God. We surrender to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands for the King Jesus this morning.